welcome to The Lifted Podcast. I'm your host, Helen Denham, and this is a place for us to talk about what we're doing every day to raise our vibration and understand ourselves more deeply as energetic beings and co-creators. All right, today we have the lovely Alicia Pope joining us. Alicia is a health coach who believes in wellness that really empowers you and lifts you up. She says you eat well to feel well and you feel well to live well. Above all, she believes that we deserve to live purely. And by pure and purely, she means without any extraneous and unnecessary elements, especially as it relates to nutrition and mental well-being. She encourages her community to be unapologetically authentic and encourages us to enrich our lives with things that really fuel the soul and get rid of anything that's not serving us in life. She has a wonderful Instagram and you know media presence and she shares her lifestyle through recipes and travel guides and workouts and healthy tips and a wellness lifestyle that's just so fun to follow along with. So while you're listening to this episode, check her out. She's at Purely Pope. Uh, so basically, you know, her, her beautiful brand, the goal here is to create a space for you that encourages wellness and clarity. So in this episode, we talk a lot about diet culture, we talk about discipline and the difference in each of our biology and how that determines different outcomes depending on what we eat and how, you know, different we all are and really embracing that and honoring that and honoring our uniqueness Um, And of course, we also talk about mental health as it relates to nutrition and so much more. So I hope you guys enjoy this. I love this one. Of course, as always, if you feel like a friend might benefit from this episode, feel free to send it along. And um, I'm at Helen Denham underscore on Instagram and she's at Purely Pope. So hit us up. Let us know what you're learning. We'd love to hear from you, but enjoy this episode and I'll talk to you on the flip side. First question I always love to ask people is, how do you like to start your day off? Do you have any rising routines or rituals that you go to? I definitely do. And I am a completely different person without my morning routine. (laughs) I always joke that I'm like, you can definitely tell if I've done it or not. Um, So my morning routine is first thing I do, I wake up, I try not to touch my phone for the first 30 minutes to an hour of my day, unless it's to put on like a meditation or something. But I usually get out of bed. I put some oil on my face right now. I'm really loving the cocoa kind. It's like a watermelon hemp oil. And I put that on my face and I go to the freezer and I grab my gua sha and my ice roller. And then while I'm gua shaing my face, I read a book called Journey to the Heart, which is a self-love book. It's all about just really accepting yourself and accepting any sort of emotions that you're going through. And then next up, I read The Daily Stoic, which stoicism has been huge for me in helping with my mindset, strengthening my mindset, and really realizing that the only thing that you can ever control is yourself, your mind, and your reactions to situations. You can't necessarily control any external situations or people. So that's really cool too. That's another like daily passage thing. And then by the time I'm done with those two books, I start my five-minute journal, which is my gratitude journal. And I 
absolutely love starting my day off that way because it basically just triggers my mind and switches it on to start looking for the positives and looking for the good throughout the day. And it also has greatly helped with stress reduction. I've been doing it for probably two years now, and I've noticed that it just helps me realize that whatever problems come up in the day aren't necessarily big or aren't necessarily things that are crazy to stress out over, right? It's like we get stressed over an email or over traffic or little things like that. But just realizing what you're grateful for in the morning, it's really helpful to realize what's important throughout the day. So that's really helpful. And it just really trains my mind. I always say that your mind is like a muscle. You have to work on it every single day. So that's typically what I do. And then while I'm meditating lately, I, and I really like, I just do a short meditation. I haven't been into long meditations lately. It's anywhere from two to five minutes, but I'll ice roll my face while I'm meditating. (laughs) Um, and then from there I get in some sort of movement and then I kind of get my day started and, and get down to work, get some coffee, all that good stuff. But it usually takes me around 30 minutes for that morning routine. And I do this all sitting in bed because that's what works for me. Or sometimes if I'm feeling it, I'll go out on the balcony and have some coffee or something like that. But that is my morning. It is very in-depth. Beautiful. Oh, I love that. I'm especially loving your picking up on stoicism and how you're really taking responsibility for your own well-being and that, you know, you really have to flex that muscle um, to just take care of yourself. And uh, I love asking people about how they start their days because it really does set the precedent for what's to come. So I love that you're just, you know, you're picking up on gratitude first thing so that you see it and you seek it out uh, throughout your day. That's beautiful. So I'm curious to know what your, you know, spiritual and personal journey has looked like uh, recently. Um, Whatever you want to touch on, like, how did you get to this point of mental well-being? Yeah, it's honestly been a very gradual journey. I think that first it really was starting to look at, you know, things like my relationship with food, nutrition, um, my relationship with exercise, because I think in the health and wellness space, and I'm a health coach for anybody listening that, you know, um, but with my clients, it's so funny because after I work with people, maybe after the first three to four months, it's really funny because we pretty much stop talking about food altogether. And especially after the six months, it's usually about all these other things because typically what whatever we're dealing with in our lives, it has so much to do with other things and not necessarily food. And food is maybe just something that we're looking to control or whatever. So I would say that with my spiritual journey in particular, it really started with healing my relationship with food because I had been roped into diet culture. I'd been roped into this should mentality, as I call it, as, you know, society will tell you, you should be doing HIIT workouts or workouts should be really hard. You, they should be a certain amount of length, whatever. And I was really stuck in those shoulds for a really long time. And my awakening really was number one, it was a really bad relationship where I, it was almost verbally abusive to a point. And he was just very, very negative. And after that, I kind of was like, no, wait, I need to just start doing things for me and not for people pleasing and pleasing external people. So that's why really the number one pillar of my wellness philosophy is self-love. And I actually have an ebook that's called Leading with Love. So when I started to put all these little pieces together of, okay, no, you just need to wait up each day and say, how can I love myself today? How can I put myself first today? Because 
maybe to the external, you know, on the surface that might sound really selfish, but in the long run, it's not. You're going to show up as a better version of yourself for your partner, for your loved ones, for your job, whatever it is when you're taking that time for yourself in your day. So I would say there wasn't necessarily like one event, but it was more so a gradual thing where it started off with my relationship with food, my relationship with movement, but then also too realizing that I needed to stop saying yes to other people and start saying yes to myself and start saying no to things that weren't serving me. And so then really with all my morning routine things, and meditation, that more so came when I had those other two things under control, you know, when I had the the food relationship under control, when I had the, you know, movement relationship under control, and as well as just really that self-love piece. And I was still just super stressed throughout the day and would be triggered very easily. And so I picked up meditation and then eventually I found the Daily Stoic and, you know, it just kind of keeps adding from there. But that's something too that I tell my clients, I'm like, listen, you're not going to wake up tomorrow and and eat a really healthy meal and move and meditate and journal and do all the things. And because that's not sustainable, right? If you're not doing any of those things, it has to be a really gradual journey. And that's what it's been for me. It has been one habit that I add in. And then until, until that becomes something that I don't even have to think about, that it's just like second nature to me, then I add on from there, if that makes sense. Totally. Hey there, just popping in for a second to tell you about my new offering, Cultivating Confidence. This is an online self-mastery course with eight modules, and it includes all of the practices and rituals that I've come back to over and over again to overcome clinical depression, multiple eating disorders, getting myself out of toxic relationship patterns, and essentially really just up-leveling to fully step into my power and my innate worth and my authenticity. And I truly believe that how we do one thing is how we do everything, right? Like the energy that we're putting out into the world is what comes back to us and what's reflected back to us in our environment. And I think we all also understand that really staying in that place of worthiness and self-love requires upkeep and a practice to come back to over and over again. So this course is designed exactly for that. I'm taking you through guided visualization meditations, transformational journaling, EFT tapping, emotional clearing rituals, goal setting, and designing a daily practice. So I'm so excited to be offering that for you. And it's been such an honor to see the women in this container truly up-level themselves and really call in the life that they deserve and are ready for. So you can learn more at helendenham.com course, and you'll find all the information there. Sending so much love to you and back to our conversation. Yeah, I'm always so curious to know about how people enter this journey of like, you know, recovering from self-limiting beliefs and just that harshness. And it's so interesting. It usually does happen when we're in a difficult relationship, like you were saying, or something really difficult triggers that, you know, shift and metamorphosis. But I'm curious about like what the catalyst was in there. Did you just have a moment where you were like, I don't want to be treated like this anymore. So how do I change? Like, what was the thought process behind your, your shift out of that relationship, for example? Yeah, I would say it was exactly that. It was an awakening and it was like an holy shit moment, so to speak, you know, of being like, okay, no, I'm, I'm better than this. I deserve a lot more. And just knowing, and I was just, I, one day I kind of woke up and I was just seeing these patterns of, okay, I'm saying yes to go out 
and, and drink excessively when I don't want to, when I'd rather wake up and go to a yoga class or I am, you know, saying yes to please somebody or I'm worrying about somebody else's emotions over my own. And that was really kind of the trigger to, for that, you know? And of course there was, there was a big blow up fight and where I was just like, okay, nope, I'm done. You know, it, it kind of hit that boiling point, so to speak. But I just noticed when, when I noticed that relationship of, of really just kind of being super toxic, I also noticed the other things in my life where I was like, oh no, I'm, I am, I'm saying yes to things that aren't serving me. Like like a, for example, the going out when I really just want to do yoga in the morning, you know? And when I took the time, it was actually when I was going through IAN, the, the school where I became a health coach at the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, where I noticed because they encourage you to kind of look back on like, what is your story? What is your journey? And when I did look back, I noticed that I had always kind of associated being skinny and also being, you know, being the fun one. That was a whole theme throughout college. Like, oh no, I'm the fun girl. I'm the fun one, whatever. And, and those themes, I thought that I needed to morph into them. You know what I mean? To, to please other people. And I just kind of saw that throughout and I was like, oh no. And now I'm doing it in, in my twenties too, where I'm just, I'm, I'm, becoming somebody else to get other people to like me. But the, the, the key was, and what everybody listening at home is that no, like you have to love yourself. You have to be responsible for that because if you're not, it can be taken away so, so easily from you, you know, and you don't want to give that power to somebody else. And that's kind of like why I love mindset so much because your mind believes whatever you tell it. And you have the power to tell yourself, you are loved. I love you. I love myself. I'm amazing. And that's a really cool power to have because if you give that power to somebody else that you need it from some sort of like external force, then you're screwed. Right. And that's the thing. And it's like, I always thought I need to be skinny to have people like me. I need to be the fun one to have people like me, whatever. I was always worrying about other people liking me instead of worrying about liking myself which is like, that was kind of the key for me and the, the light bulb switch turn on moment. Totally. I think so many women especially can relate to this and feeling like we have to fit into these certain molds to be successful in any way, socially, career-wise. And I can completely relate to that. I've always had, you know, up and down struggles with especially being thin and like, we can get into talking about nutrition now as well and movement and how to take a more holistic approach to that. Um, because it's so complicated for women, I think too. And I, I really also relate to like drinking and, and coming out of that. Like I was, I don't really like to drink or, or smoke anymore. I was doing that all through college, like obsessively. And then I got out of there as well. And I was like, well, who am I? And as I started to say no to those things, I started to become magnetic to the, the right community for me. And, I, and I'm sure you felt probably the same way, right? Like Totally. To attract exactly who you do need as you stand in your power. Totally. And it's so funny too, because it's like when you do just focus on pleasing yourself and doing things that work for you, there's this confidence that you exude and then you attract so many more people. Because I think when you're worrying about attracting other people or when you're worrying about morphing into something for other people to like you, it gives off this very like desperate energy, right? And that's not attractive. Anything that's like desperate energy. I actually, I just read Matthew McConaughey's book, Green Lights. And when he first, so, so good, Mm -hmm. but it was talking about when he first came to LA and he mentioned to the guy who he was staying with and he was like, yeah, no, I just, I need a manager. I need to get jobs. And the guy was like, 
you need to leave. You, you're not ready. Right. Okay. And he was like, you're never going to get anything with that energy. And I, I think about it being the same thing. And it's so funny because it's exactly when I was in that point so much so where I was only saying yes to things I wanted to do. I didn't really care what other people thought of me. I was just worrying about loving myself and liking myself. And that's exactly when I met my fiance, my now fiance. It was when I didn't need his love. You know, I didn't need that relationship. I didn't need that companionship, that partnership. Did I want it? Of course. But I was like, I'm totally fine on my own, you know, and I wasn't desperate. I wasn't at all, you know, and I think that that's part of the reason why he was attracted to me, you know, because I was very confident. I was giving myself everything that I needed. I didn't need anything from him, you know, and it's so funny how that happens because it is, it's a very attractive thing when that confidence is coming from the inside and when you really are caring about yourself first. Yeah. It's this like mysterious X factor in a way because there, you can't really put your finger on it, but it's the way that you hold yourself, the way that you maintain eye contact, the way, like the energy around you just starts to attract like better and better. So that's amazing. So I really want to know about, uh, you know, your journey into nutrition and why nutrition became so important for you to focus on and how nutrition also ties this all together. Because you know, I, I think we can all tell like what we're eating is affecting our moods as well and our overall well being. So what are your totally. thoughts? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So my approach to nutrition is that you can have your cake and eat it too when it comes to your health. And it wasn't always like that. You know, in, in the past I had done the special K diet. I did Weight Watchers. Like I did all these crazy restrictive things and it was really this up and down cycle, which I think a lot of women have gone through. You know, a lot of women have focused on restricting and diets and just this elimination mindset of I can't have this or I should do this or whatever. And slowly but surely, I have been able to get out of that mindset. And my approach now is really an addition versus an elimination mindset and no restriction at all. And by doing that, and this is the number one thing that I recommend because I would say my approach now is very, it's very intuitive. It's very, um, you know, holistic. I, I don't have any rigid rules that I follow. And that is the number one key that I'm always telling my clients. I say, listen, the first thing to achieve food freedom or to achieve an intuitive eating lifestyle is to remove any rules that you have around food. Because a majority of the time, whenever you have rules around food, they are external rules. And when you have those rules, you're essentially crowding your mind with all these things, all these shoulds, all these, oh no, I can't have carbs. I can't have alcohol. I can't eat this after this time or whatever it might be. And that's an external force telling you, whether it's diet culture or diet that you're following, your friend, your roommate, whatever. And then it's like when your body is telling you, oh, I'm craving carbohydrates, but then you have this rule that you're not allowed to have carbohydrates, then you're just ignoring that thought. So when you remove the rules, number one, you're able to just really be intuitive and listen to your body. You're able to finally hear your body. Because the thing is, is that every single one of us are different. We're all bio-individual, meaning that we 
all need different things. It's like, if you and I were to eat the exact same thing, we would still look completely different. And I think that that's something that people don't necessarily think of. They're like, oh, I really like that girl's body on Instagram. I'm going to figure out exactly what she's eating, exactly what she's doing, and I'm going to do it too. And then I'm going to look like her. That's just, that's false. That's never going to happen. You know? So I think that that is really important to remember and, and also just know that nobody knows your body better than you. But also when you remove those rules, you're telling yourself that you trust your body. And that is a really big thing, you know, by, by just telling yourself, no, I trust you. I trust you to tell me exactly what I need. And a lot of people think that, you know, food freedom means, oh, I'm going to eat pizza and pancakes and cookies and waffles and alcohol and soda and whatever every day, all day. But the reality of it is, is that when you give your body that freedom, you're able to truly crave whatever you want. And, and your body is meant to eat whole unprocessed foods. And that's what it's going to tell you that it's craving. And that's, what's going to tell you what it feels good. So my number one motto, whenever it comes to food is what's going to feel good, both emotionally, physically, and going to be satisfying to me too. So what I always teach my clients is addition mindset. So I have three things that I always like to add to my plate because I do think obviously nutrition plays a factor. Food is literally like what fuels our body. And I don't think that it's just fuel. I think it's also emotional too. You know, I don't think it needs to be super black and white, but there are foods that, that make your body feel super good. And so the things that I always fill my plate with are some sort of protein, fat, and then fiber-rich carbohydrates. And then I add from there. So I love having this addition mindset instead of that elimination mindset. So if I have those three things and then I want, you know, some bread or I want some crackers, I want some chips, I want some fruit, I want some sweet potatoes, whatever it is, then I add on from there until I get a plate that makes me feel good and satisfied. Right. So that's really my approach. And, and it's funny because I've, I've gone through periods too, where, okay, am I eating dairy every single day? No. But if I have it and I'm like, I'm craving it on a random day. Okay. I'm going to have it. Right. And I think that when a lot of times the stress that we have around foods is more harmful to our body and our digestion, et cetera, than the actual food itself. Right. And I think that if your health and your nutrition ever gets to a point where it is restricting you from living and enjoying your life, that's where you need to take a step back and think, okay, how do I need to adjust this? Because this is hindering me instead of helping me, if that makes sense. Totally. I mean, there's so much that you're bringing up here that just, it, it's so good to hear you say, and so freeing. Like, I love that you're saying freedom and, um, you know, just compassion and trusting our bodies because I think especially, especially in kind of the spiritual LA community, everybody is sugar-free, gluten-free, vegan, like everything. And I've tried all of that and it's just kind of stressful. And um, as I hit this point of like, everything really started to change for me. And I got over eating disorders, everything when I was like, just eat whatever you want, Helen, why don't you just figure out what, what feels good. And then I was able to notice, oh, okay, well, I, I am drawn to whole foods, like you were saying. And if I'm drawn to the really sugary, like unhealthy, quote unquote foods, it's usually because I'm having an emotional block and I'm stressed and I'm stress eating. So is there any advice that you have around like emotional eating when we're stressed because like we go to it for comfort? Like how do you help people get through that? Yeah. Yeah. So I always like to use a tool called implement the pause whenever that comes up. And that's really my approach to cravings. And so what that means is essentially slow down. 
pause and ask yourself. And I think that that's really important because in our day and age and today, we're always go, 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 right? We're in one meeting to the next. We're not even necessarily thinking. And a lot of people working from home now, they're not even taking a break. They're maybe eating lunch while they're working or they just go into the pantry when they're on a call and they're just like shoving their face because they haven't eaten since 8 a.m. and it's 3 p.m., right? Because the day got away from them, whatever. And we just consistently are going, going, going without pausing to look inward and ask ourselves, what, what is actually going to fuel me? What do I want right now? What am I looking for? How do I want to show up in this situation? Because this can be applied not only to food, but it can be applied to emotional situations, stressful situations, whatever. But I always like to use the example of when I, um, when I lost my aunt like two years ago and I basically would say, okay, I just kept wanting glasses of wine every single night, right? There was like a week in between losing her and going to be with my family that I was here in LA. Nick was with me, but he w- he was working in an office at the time. And so I would be alone. And I'd be like, okay, I really just want a glass of wine, whatever. But one night after maybe like the third or fourth night that I was going to go to pour myself a glass of wine, I paused and I said, okay, do I actually just want to enjoy this glass of wine? And if so, I would have gone and enjoyed it. If the answer was yes, I would have gone and enjoyed it. But the point is that I took that second to ask myself that. And when I asked myself that, and this can take one to three seconds, right? It doesn't, it's not like, it's not like it's a 10 minute conversation with yourself. It's a few second conversation with yourself. And when I asked myself that, I thought, no, I don't. I'm basically just trying to mask the feelings that I'm feeling right now because they're super painful. And instead, so in that moment, when I realized that I was using that wine as a tool to mask the emotions that I was feeling, I went and instead I journaled. I wrote a letter to my aunt that I then read at her celebration of life. And for me, it was also a release because I think that whenever you're feeling any sort of emotions, whenever you're masking them and you're not dealing with them and you're avoiding them, you're basically just holding on to that energy and stress of those emotions. You're you're not letting yourself release them. So journaling is a huge thing for me when whenever I am dealing with that. Or it could also be going on a walk, listening to a podcast, calling a friend, doing a stretch, getting in some movement, whatever that might be. There's so many different methods that you could do. But you know, if you are truly having a craving and you want something, then do it. But take that time to ask yourself, what do I actually want? And try to slow down in that. And that is like my number one approach to cravings. Cause I'm like, okay, if you have something, you're craving it, have it. Because, you know, I think also too, sometimes it's like, oh no, I, I really want a cookie, but then it's like, actually no, but I should have carrots and hummus. And then you, the carrots and hummus don't satisfy you. So then you're going to have crackers and peanut butter and that doesn't satisfy you either. And then you're going to have that, you know what I mean? And it's like, mm. just have the freaking cookie. Like, you yeah. know, so, oh. so that's kind of my, my approach to cravings. Beautiful. And I really appreciate how you gave like very tangible tools for dealing with that. Like I love that you sat down and wrote and journaled and wrote a letter to your aunt so that you could honor her. And like, yeah, because it probably would have just kept pushing down right until you released it anyways. So I love that. Yeah. Um, I guess kind of on an offset of this. So I'm just asking because I'm on my period right now. And I know we, a lot of us get crazy cravings. Like I go through these sugar spikes that are insane. And I find that sometimes like olives for some reason really help me stop those sugar cravings. But is there anything like, because we have so many women listening, like on our cycles, do you find anything helps like when we have like crazy spikes like that? Yes, totally. So with that, I actually, I love to caveat this with, I'm a 
obsessed with the app. It's called My Flow, M-Y and then F-L-O. It's by Alyssa Vitti from Flow Living. She has a book called Flow Living. Um, and also I, I think that her other book is called Woman Code. And it's all about the different phases of our cycle because that's something too. And that's something that was really liberating to me for movement, for example, when we were talking about that of, you know, I, I, at one point I was always doing these super, super high intensity workouts that weren't necessarily serving me. I was showing up and I would have such anxiety about going to the workout. I'm like, Oh my God, I really don't want to do this, but I, I have to, it's what I should do, blah, blah, blah. But seeing this, these different phases of our cycle and knowing that there's certain phases of our cycle where literally that your cortisol is already really high. And those types of workouts are just going to spike it higher. And they're actually going to trigger fat storage in your body. Things like that, where it's like, as women, we don't know because a lot of the, the research out there, of oh no, everybody needs to do a HIIT workout. They, it's based on men. It's not based on women, you know? And so that is something that I just had to caveat that in terms of, tracking your cycle, knowing where you are in your cycle. There are definitely ways to optimize your cycle, optimize your flow, sync with your cycle, whatever. But I would say that when you are on your period, the most important thing to focus on is that protein, fat, and fiber. So I would always say get at least 20 to 30 grams of protein for women. And then for the fat, making sure you're getting anywhere from like one to three tablespoons. And then the fiber, I always like to focus on like non-starchy vegetables and making sure that your blood sugar is balanced because the more that your blood sugar is balanced from each meal, the less that those cravings are going to happen. But also too, knowing that it's like honor those cravings and the olives for you are probably really satisfying because they are a source of fat and fat is very good for our blood sugar. It's good for our brain health. Um, and it's also very filling and satisfying. So something that I would recommend that I always love on my period is like a date and maybe some almond butter, something like that. And, you know, again, like sticking with those fats that are going to give you a little bit of sweetness, but also be really satisfying to your body. And it's also, it's, it's protein, fat and fiber all in one with, with nuts, you know? So, so that's, that's really cool too, that there is that protein and the fat and the, and the nuts too. So it's going to be really satisfying to your body and any sort of cravings, but it's like, if you're craving a, a chocolate or if you're craving ice cream or whatever, go ahead and have that too. But, but doing those other things are going to definitely help to, to manage those cravings. Yeah, that's great. And then we can kind of prepare when we're going to the grocery store, like, oh, okay, next week I should prepare and have a little more protein, get my dates, get my almond butter and everything ready. That's super yeah. helpful. Yeah, and absolutely. Like I've learned that um, it helps me to keep like frozen peanut butter cups in the freezer because I don't like them enough to eat a lot of them, but they will satisfy that little craving and I'll just, you know, enjoy it when, I, when it happens. But just like having that around is nice. Totally. Um, I also love that you're talking about like HIIT workouts and that being a very masculine kind of activity. And um, I think that's definitely like pushed on us that we have to do heavy cardio to lose weight, all these things. I personally just hit a point where I'm like, I, this is just not for me. I like to dance and I like to walk and I like to hike. I'm not a runner. I don't like to do that. So how, what's your journey been like with movement and how do you help women move through that as well? Yeah. I think just going back to what makes you feel good, right? And making sure that you're looking at and seeing, okay, where am I at in my cycle? So if you are menstruating, if you're, if you're on your period, you might just want to sleep. You might want to take a day off. You might just want to go on a walk, right? So I like to remove the shoulds when it comes to movement, like I was saying before, but 
I, I choose to use the word movement instead of exercise or fitness or, or, you know, whatever, whatever it might be, because to me, it removed those like parameters on it, so to speak. And it also removed these, oh, it has to be this long, or it has to be this type of workout. So now, for example, this morning, I, I just have a thing where I want to move my body every day, whether that is a five minute yoga flow or whether that's a walk or whether it's a Pilates class or whether maybe it is a strength training sort of thing. I just like to move it every day, right? So this morning, all I had time for was a 10-minute yoga lattes sort of thing. Typically, I do longer than that, but you know, I got in my movement for the day. So that is really just shifting from using the, that verb of, of physical activity or ac- exercise to movement has been huge for me and removing those shoulds, but then also to the, the MyFlow app and just knowing where I am in my cycle, it was really liberating for me to find out, oh no, your energy levels are super low when you're on your period. So it makes sense that you don't want to get up for that 545 workout, you know? and you should actually sleep. That's what your body needs right now. So learning more about where your body is in your cycle is really, really liberating and has been really liberating for me in my relationship with movement too. Um, But for me personally, I love low impact workouts. I love my Pilates. I love my yoga. I like dance cardio. I like toning sorts of things. But yeah, for me, I hate running. And so I'm like, I stopped running. You know, if I do go to a Barry's class now, I'm just doing the weight portion of it. And I'm fine to modify because at the end of the day, you're there for you and you don't want to hurt yourself, right? And I think that so often, again, I realized that the other day. I was like, you know, I used to go to workout classes and I would never modify because I would be worrying about what other people thought of me modifying, right? Mm -hmm. Again, it's that like people pleaser mentality, like worrying about what other people think of you more than you. And that's something else that I kind of discovered lately. And I'm like, no, like this workout is for me. It's not for anybody else but me. So I am going to modify whenever I need. Sorry. That was like a little bit of a tangent, but (laughs) it's perfect. It's yeah, exactly. And it's just reminding us to keep coming back to like our own uniqueness and our own essence. And uh, it reminds me to like encourage people to look into their doshas. I don't know if you know your dosha, but it's like Ayurvedic based. And I think I'm like Pitta, Vata, more Pitta, but like everybody in based on their doshas is going to have such a different way of eating and a different way of exercising. Like I always, you know, was trying to, what's I still should like eat a good amount of salads every day, but I, salads just don't sit well with me. There's something about that lettuce. Like my body doesn't digest it well. So now I, I like need to cook down spinach or like eat different greens. So it's like, very helpful to know that we're all so different. And exactly like you were saying earlier, like your, your body can't be compared to somebody else's because your whole system is so different. Totally. Um, so unique. So totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important too. I always tell people this of like, okay, what you need today might be totally different than what you need in a month from now. And to also not be super rigid with your health or your routine or whatever. I mean, obviously I'm somebody that loves my routine, but if tomorrow I'm not craving doing a yoga workout or I'm not craving what I had been eating or whatever, I might need something different tomorrow. You know what I mean? And that's kind of what I'm saying too, with like the different flows we ebb and flow. We're not, we're not meant to stay stagnant, right? And something that works for you today might not work for you two months from now. So just always kind of be intuitive, look inward and check in with yourself to see what is serving you and what's not, I think is the most important. Mm-hmm. Totally. So I guess the last thing I wanted to ask you, this might be kind of a vaguer question, but is there anything that you've been personally struggling with, like over the last year that you've managed to overcome? 
I would say my relationship with business, um, just because I recently, I mean, now it's been over a year, which is crazy. I feel like COVID time is just, it just flies by. It's like, wait, what? I thought that was a week ago, but it was actually two months ago. Um, But I would definitely say my relationship with business and success and just knowing that monetary is not the only form of success and knowing that when you are out on your own, you kind of have to have these own markers for your success and to just really focus on yourself and put your blinders on and not to compare your journey with anybody else's. That has really been something huge for me. And to what really helped me with that is to just focus on creating and working on my business versus like the consuming and looking at what everybody else is doing, Um, but also to setting up really clear markers and looking for other points and, and, and almost like markers of success outside of the monetary things. Because when you run your own business, it's like one month could be $0. The next month could be X amount of dollars. You know what I mean? It's, it all is very, it's not stagnant. Right. And there's no, you're not going for a promotion. You're not, um, you know, you're not going to get like a stellar review. You're not going to get a bonus. You're, you're basically, you just, you're, you're running the show. Right. So for me, I was always in my career when I was in the corporate world, I was always like, okay, when's my next promotion? When's my next bonus? When's my next like amazing event that I'm going to get that like satisfaction for? So that was really that external validation. So I've had to learn how to validate internally and, and, and look for that internally and also look for different markers of how I'm measuring my own success. And it's kind of something that's still in the works and still that I'm still working on, but it definitely has been something that I've struggled with over the past year with just taking my business full time that, that, that was just kind of a shocker for me and, and kind of making that transition. Yes. I'm so grateful that you bring that up and I'm right there with you. And uh, I've been talking with so many women on the podcast actually about business, which has been funny and just a really cool, you know, umbrella thing to go through at the time. But I think what it all comes back to, and you're touching on this is being of service and, you know, exactly like you're saying, getting rid of that external validation and just serving your community. How can you show up and facilitate healing more deeply Um, and you're doing that and it's so, it's so beautiful and it's awesome. So how can people connect with you if they want to work with you, if they want to get to know you, tell us everything. Yeah. I'm at purely Pope on Instagram and at the purely podcast. So we have our podcast that we did as well. That's going to be out in a few weeks. Um, so yeah, so the purely podcast, it's found on Apple, Spotify, it's on YouTube as well. So both of those places. And then my website is purelypope.com. And on there as well, if you just go under the health coaching, you can sign up for a free complimentary 30 minute health coaching consultation as well. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being here, Alicia. And I'm so excited for people to get to know you better. And you're also a wonderful interviewer. So people have got to check out your podcast too. But thank uh, you so much. Right back at you. Thank you. All right, my friends. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Your presence is so deeply appreciated. And it's an honor to be here with you on a weekly basis like this. So of course, everything that we were just mentioning in the end there is uh, linked below in the description. So all the links are there. And as a reminder, my website's HelenDenham.com. So you can find, uh, you know, newsletter sign up over there. You can find all the past podcast episodes and browse the guests that have been on. There are also some really interesting blog posts going up and more Q&As in written format. 
Uh, my merch is available, information about the courses there. What else? Music. There's so much good stuff to browse. And I've got a single coming out in early October, which I'm so excited to share with you. So I think that's it from me, but I'm sending you so much love as always. Thank you for being here. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you.